0: Hi, my name is Mandy Jackson-Beverly, and I'm a bibliophile. Welcome to the Bookshop Podcast. Each week, I present interviews with independent bookshop owners from around the globe, authors, and specialists in subjects dear to my heart, the environment, and social justice. To help the show reach more people, please share it with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the show, head on over to thebookshoppodcast.buzzsprout.com. Click on the orange heart in the right-hand corner of the page where you can donate via Buy Me A Coffee. And thanks to everyone who has supported the show. You're listening to episode 182. For Jenny McCann, Bear Bookshop began as a dream a long-held fantasy of owning a bookshop and surrounding herself with books all day long. Their bookshop aims to be a place that develops and encourages a child's enjoyment of reading, their love of learning and sense of wonder, and to help children and parents experience the joy of reading and learning. Jenny encourages children to experience more adventures and less screens, more confidence and less worry, more stories, more curiosity, more play, more resilience, more imagination, and more joy. Hi, Jenny, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here.
1: Hi, lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: My absolute pleasure. Okay, let's begin by you telling us about your career as a teacher and what inspired you to open Bear Books, a children's bookshop.
1: Okay, so, um, well, my career as a teacher and what inspired me to open a children's bookshop kind of both come down to the same thing, which is my love of books. So I taught English, and I mostly taught literature. So, um, I kind of got into that all that whole pathway of studying English all came from like my love of reading. And I really enjoyed teaching. Like I taught for 15 years, I love talking about the books, I love analyzing books. Like I love that. But I think the big catalyst for change for me was my own children. And teaching is very consuming. And I wanted something that I felt I have more control over, but also that they could be on the journey with me. So I open the shop at 9:30 in the morning, which means I get to drop them off at school. They can come and sit in the shop with me after school. And I like the idea of them growing up with the bookshop. Uh, it's just a year younger than my youngest child. So it's going to be such a part of their childhoods and that building something that they can be a part of when they're older as well. And you know, working around that love of reading as a family
0: is just, yeah, really enjoyable and wonderful. And what ages of children did you teach?
1: So I taught secondary school over here, which is ages 11 to 18.
0: Yeah, that's the equivalent of middle school and high school here in the United States. Yes, yeah. They're wonderful age groups to teach.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. It was really interesting.
0: And I love what you said about reading as a family. And while we're talking about education, what do you suggest when parents come into their bookshop and say, I don't know what to do, my child hates reading?
1: Well, when I was teaching, obviously, this is an issue that used to come up a lot kids would say, I don't like reading. And I, just, <laughs> I will deny that anybody hates reading. And um, I think it is absolutely, it's just a question of finding what you want to read. Um, So I would always say to parents, we'll start with their interests. What are they interested in? If they're interested in like gaming, I'd look for a book that's got lots of action, maybe like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. Anything with that kind of interactivity. We've got lots of books that double up as games as well. So anything like that, that has that kind of um, same kind of interactivity and like winning. I'd also, I'd say start with something not too challenging. I think for somebody who's a bit uh, disenchanted with reading, like the idea of reading something long and something difficult, that in itself can be off-putting. And um, we did really well with that kind of group with graphic novels, for example. sometimes if they're like a kind of five to eight to go back to picture books and something really funny always appeals as well. Like that's always a pop yeah, that's always a popular choice.
0: Yes, and there are some fabulous humorous children's books out there now. And with this in mind is there an area in children's publishing and when I say children I mean tweens and teens as well that you feel needs to be expanded on that there's not enough books available
1: Oh that's interesting so I think over here I'm sure it's the same over there as well but there's been a real big push on diversity in publishing and children being able to see themselves reflected in the pages of a book because um yeah that was that was an issue and now there's a growing trend towards kind of like expanding the range of different kind of characters and all the different kinds of people that we're seeing in literature and children's literature and i think that is a really positive step and it's something that's really kind of at the heart of what we want to do as a bookshop because the area that we live in it's really quite diverse anyway
0: that's great to hear Now, my next two questions are interrelated, but the first is, according to UKreads.org, one in five children in the UK struggle to read and write and literacytrust.org.uk states children's and young people's levels of reading enjoyment continue to decline and are at their lowest since 2013. What do you feel is the main reason for this decline and how do we work toward fixing this issue?
1: I honestly really think that the technological age that we're living in is such a contributory factor to this. So obviously I'm old enough to have grown up with none of that. So we were really limited in the options that we had to spend leisure time when we were children compared to children today. There just wasn't the technology, but also I don't think there there weren't as many like theme parks and places to go and things like that. There there weren't so many television channels. There are so many different things now competing for children's attention compared to what there were 20, 30 years ago. My advice would, would say it's about finding that balance because that is the world we live in. We can't deny that. We can't take that away. We can't change that. And that's only going to be more present in our children's lives. So I'd say the number one piece of advice I'd always give to people is to develop it as a habit. Don't wait for your children to kind of say, oh, I feel like reading a book because that time may never come. So kind of if you have the opportunity, schedule it into your family time and take part in it yourself, modeling that behavior and saying, okay, we're going to have 20 minutes as a family now, and we're just going to we we'll put on some relaxing music, we'll get a nice snack and a drink, and we're just going to read our books together. Like, that can actually be a really special time. And then the children get to you doing that as well. So you're showing that, like, yeah, this is a this is an appealing way. This is a nice way to spend your leisure time.
0: Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. It's important for children to see adult members of their family reading. Unfortunately, many families must choose between food, rent and clothing for their families rather than books. And I've spoken with many bookshops who fundraise within their communities to purchase books for schools and give books as holiday gifts to children. You mentioned earlier that you work with the schools within your district. Do you have a similar program where customers can buy books that will be donated to the school district? Yes,
1: we do. So we work with schools and we give like prizes and we've given vouchers to schools in the past. We also work with the National Literacy Trust. So we're um, a local National Literacy Trust champion. So if they have books to give out, we can distribute those on behalf of them. We've done similar things with other organisations. So the part of the UK where we are, the Black Country, there's an arts organisation called Black Country Touring. They did a um, kind of theatrical performance in the shop in the summer, and that came with a free book. So we have that to give out to people. And we also provide, we do a free story time every day. So half past 10 every morning for any local babies and toddlers, you can just come along and have a story. We have a little kind of sensory play and crafts for the children to do. Um, We do a lot of free activities a lot of kind of free cultural activities uh, we've got a string quartet coming to play the music from the nutcracker on the 17th of december so we do loads of kind of yeah free activities and events to get people in and um, i probably to the local libraries a lot as well so without following on social media i still i own a bookshop but i still take my children to the library or try to once a week to choose new books and then i will share like this is what we do Uh, this is us at the library, these are the books we've chosen, Um, you know, yeah, if I get a dialogue going that way as well, because there's a lot of resources out there to help families with reading
0: I remember my mother taking me as a little girl to the library to get my first library card and I remember taking my sons there when they were little guys too and before I had children I read at the local library in Manhattan Beach in California. It was just such a magical experience.
1: I totally echo that same experience. Like I remember it, the first week of the holidays um, every summer going to the library and just getting every
0: book they would let me take
1: out and having, like, my whole summer reading. And it was, like, my favourite thing to do in the summer, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it was an exciting moment, right?
1: Yes, super exciting, yeah. And finding a new author and then taking out all the books, yeah.
0: Yes, my sons used to know exactly what date a new book in a series was coming out. And they would drag me down to the library to make sure they were the first ones there to get the books out. They were fun times. Now, I don't know about the libraries in the UK, but the libraries here in the United States are actually having a pretty rough time right now. And one of the reasons being people wanting to ban books. And a large percentage of the books that are being banned are children's books. It's just ludicrous.
1: It's the same, yeah, with funding cuts and, yeah. And it's such a shame because it's such a valuable resource.
0: Yes, and especially for those who can't afford to buy books. Now let's talk about the pandemic because since it began, bookshops worldwide have found large audiences through virtual programs. What kind of virtual programming have you found works best with children? So...
1: We've had some online events. We've had some kind of like um, we did some with a local author and read. We, we did a day of events actually, right, right in the the second time we had a lockdown over here, and there was a story reading and a draw along with the illustrator and a competition. And we've had some success with virtual events, but I think because of the timing of when we opened, so over here in the UK we had two lockdowns. And we opened the shop in the middle of those two (laughs) hotels.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I know, it was crazy. So we opened for like a month and then had to close again. So because the shop was so new, we really didn't have any kind of an audience or anything yet. We didn't do so many virtual things as I think we would now. But then actually, when things started to open up, um, and we were able to do events again. We have had such an amazing response from people who just missed that space, particularly with very young children, because it can be so isolating when you've got a little baby anyway. And then to be told that you can't go out, and you can't go to groups and you can't go to things like that. I would say that has been like our biggest audience. That's our, that's our um, yeah, main group of people. We're seeing come into the shop and having the time. They've just been so desperate for places to go.
0: A few months ago, I was chatting with a relative of mine who teaches little ones preschool, kindergarten age children. And I asked her how early childhood development had been affected by the pandemic. And she explained what research has shown and what she has seen in the classroom since schools went back to in person learning. Children in these early years of developments, speech has been affected because they learn from watching other people speak. And of course, while we're wearing masks, this wasn't happening. I found this fascinating.
1: It is interesting. And the socialization as well. So my youngest was just five months when the pandemic started. And when we kind of like were going back to normal and we were going out and we were seeing people, he was the least confident out of all three of them he was the clingiest and like the most kind of fearful with not even with strangers but with family members but they're strangers to him and I think there's so much I think yeah there's going to be so many possibly issues and like considerations so we don't we may not even be fully aware of yet it's just been such a life-changing experience
0: yeah it's definitely been a learning experience for all of us Let's talk about the town of Smethwick. I'd love to know about the diversity of the population, the top sites to visit, where to get a great vegetarian meal and a delicious latte.
1: Okay, so actually we are amazing for like independent restaurants and cafes. There's a small independent just down the road called Tamu. They are like the most amazing food or freshly prepared um I've got a coffee shop like three doors down. I just spent all all my time and money in these places. Um, (laughs) like an independent coffee shop three doors down called Hello Cafe. They're really good. We have um, a great Mexican restaurant. We've got a couple of amazing South American restaurants. We've got an Italian deli now. Like there's becoming like a big food place, which is lovely. I think actually that kind of is reflected in the diversity of the population. We have people in our little area from all over the world so we really see that kind of like in the food options and the restaurant options that are available to us
0: that sounds fantastic and is it what you would call a grain population or are there a lot of young families moving into the area
1: yeah it's a lot of young families i mean i live here so but yeah obviously i was i'm walking around and i've got a young family and i was seeing that there's a lot of other young families in the area and i was like oh i should open a bookshop that would be lovely
0: (laughs) and you did and it worked (laughs) Now the town of Smethwick has an industrial history but how would you say the identity of the area has changed in more recent years? So
1: well a lot of those industries don't really exist anymore so there's that obviously I'd say there's a really kind of strong sense of identity I'm kind of linked to that though and actually I was in a discussion with the um, Society of Young Publishers earlier in the week, um, we were talking about how, like, a reading culture and like a bookish kind of culture was being developed in the West Midlands, as opposed to say London, because it's been publishing has been a really London-centric industry in the UK. And um, we we're saying we were talking about how actually we don't kind of get that same sense of competition. It's a much more supportive environment up here. And that sense of local identity and us creating something together, I think is a real strength of the area. And we are really close to the second biggest city in the UK, which is Birmingham. We're like three miles down the road. That's really growing. We ha- hosted the Commonwealth Games this summer. They're building a high-speed railway, which is going to link with London, which should bring a lot more economic opportunities to the area. There's loads of like industrial development and things going on in the city. So I think it's it's like a time, although it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a time of economic growth over here in the country as a whole. But I do feel like, optimistic for like the local area.
0: I love what you said about not as much competition in the area where you are as compared with publishing competition in London. I truly believe that independent bookshops are the catalyst for creative change within communities. Indie bookshops are safe places where people can have discussions. And speaking of bookshops, let's get back to books. What book was your most popular during the holiday period for the following ages. Let's start with ages two through four.
1: Okay, so we have a really, we had a really lovely um, book called Santa's Christmas Countdown, and actually Santa's black in this book.
0: I love it, good for Santa.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 and the, again, the area we live in, like obviously, representation is really important because I want the books on the shelves to look like the people in the street. Um, So that one's been really popular. That's really cute and fun. And, like,
0: yeah, Santa's getting ready for Christmas. And ages five through eight? The Jolly
1: Christmas Postman. So this is, like, a huge um, classic in this country. And it's – do you guys have The Jolly Jolly Postman?
0: That's the book where you pull out all the letters, right? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yes, we have that one. It's fabulous.
1: That has been – My biggest seller, so this is our third Christmas and every Christmas that has been my biggest seller with this age group and I think it's a nostalgia thing, but everybody loves that book and children still today just absolutely love that book. That one is always so popular. Um, And yeah, in terms of non-Christmassy, the Little People Big Dreams are doing really
0: well with that age group. And what about eight through 11 years of age? The Story
1: Orchestra series have been, again, they've been really popular. Um, we have a great series called Anisha Accidental Detective. So the lady who writes these, um, she lives in Wolverhampton, Serena Patel, and she's been into shop for a few author visits and they're just they're really, yeah, really kind of um just funny, it's like engaging, just lovely middle grade fiction. And we have an amazing anatomical um two X pop-up book. That one has been a huge seller. yeah, kind of that age group. It's like, you know, the, the boys who love dinosaurs when they're toddlers, but they're getting a bit bigger now, it's perfect for them, a bit more scientific.
0: That sounds great. Now, what about 11 through 14?
1: So we have um, a really gorgeous edition of The Girl of Inca Stars. We've got a really, like, a special collector's edition of that one, and that's been really popular this Christmas. That's a nice fantasy book for that age group.
0: And 14 and older.
1: Yeah, so um, the Heartstopper series is still big. The Heartstopper series is still doing well. Um, We've got a Heartstopper yearbook, which uh, has been really popular, and the um, Daughter of the Pirate King series.
0: And was there another book you wanted to mention in the two to four age group?
1: That is our biggest age group selling anyway. Like Babies and Toddlers is our most popular ones that always do well, always does well in that category, the Janet and um, Alan Arberg books. So the Baby's Catalogue, Peepo, Each Peach Pear Plum, they always do really well. And again, those are like some of my personal favorites. Hmm. Peepo was actually the first book that my daughter, my eldest had when she was a baby. It was her first present from her grandma. So it was the first like proper baby book I ever read to one of my babies. So it's, it's like a really special place in my heart.
0: And are books like the Toad of Toad Hall still popular, you know, kind of like the classic children's stories? Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, we, we still have, we, they always do well like the classics and um, grandparents as well, particularly will come in and like to buy those. Yeah.
0: And they enjoy reading them to their grandchildren too, which is wonderful. And Jenny, do you have a favourite children's book that you love to hand sell?
1: I mean, this time of year, it probably the a jolly Christmas postman, but that is my personal favourite children's Christmas book. Um, outside of Christmas, it's the Illumi series. So there's Illuminature, Illumisaurus, Illuminatomy, and you look through the different lenses, and each lens has a picture. And that is just like uh, like actual magic to the children. So when people come in looking for a gift or say, you know, I want something that's really going to get... my child excited about a book that that's my go-to thing i'll be like oh this is a wow book we've given it to presents for so many children
0: (laughs) and what are you currently reading
1: um sorrow and bliss by meg mason which is about a woman i think she's about 40 and she is divorcing from her husband and moving back in with her family and it's amazing it's really good but it is my reading in the shop books so it's taken me a long time because i'm just kind of getting little snatched moments but it is wonderful and actually i read it on the recommendation of another lady who was and she read it in a day
0: it sounds great i'll have to pick that one up i've not heard of it before so thank you it's ever so good And we talked about this earlier, Jenny. But are there any other gaps in publishing uh, that you feel is needed for the fourteen plus age group? I think the
1: the fantasy is still really huge at that age, and I think it would be interesting to see more historical because we see more historical lower down. So um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of kind of World War II based books in kind of slightly younger but you don't yeah you don't see that so much in the older um what i think is really good in the older ones is there's so many books that deal with kind of mental health issues and emotional issues and i think that's that can be such a good source of support
0: yes i agree uh one last question why the name bear bookshop
1: oh we the part of semantic we're in is Bearwood, wood so I wanted it to have a strong kind of community feel because I really wanted it to be a shop like that serves the local community. But um, also it's, it's cute for a children's bookshop as well, isn't it, because it's anthropomorphic.
0: Yes, it is. Jenny, thanks so much for being a guest on the Bookshop Podcast and for giving our listeners these fantastic recommendations for children's books for next holiday season and throughout the year. And thank you for all you do to encourage children and their parents to read.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to my conversation with Jenny McCann from Bear Bookshop, a children's bookshop located at 588 Bearwood Road, Smethwick, UK. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. And check out my website at mandyjacksonbeverly.com. And if you'd like to contribute to the coffee fund, Go to podcast.brassprout.com, click on the little orange heart in the right hand corner of the page, and you can donate through Buy Me a Coffee. For information regarding sponsoring an episode, email thebookshoppodcast at gmail.com. The bookshop podcast is written and produced by Mandy Jackson Beverly. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly. Executive Assistant to Mandy, Adrian Ottohan, and graphic design by Francis Farala. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.